Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana. I'm an addict and alcoholic. This is a show for other addicts and alcoholics and also for their families and for anyone who knows us. If this is your first time listening, we have over 300 episodes in the bank. You can go back and listen to all of them. If you can't get to a meeting right now, which is completely understandable, you can go back and listen to any of our episodes. Please do. We welcome you. And if you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and like us because uh, it makes me happy. gives me a reason to wake up tomorrow. This is episode two of my three-part series with Mike Collins, the sugar expert. In today's episode, we discuss sugar. Can you eat it at all? Is it the same as a drug? And also COVID snacking. Check it out. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Is there like a certain amount of sugar that's okay to have? And does it matter what kind of sugar, for example? Like if I eat blueberries, is that mm. sugar? Yeah, this is the big question. And this is a question that um, really trips people up in the early days. And it comes back to the fructose again, right? So there's a great video on YouTube, Dr. Gary Fetke, F-E-T-T-K-E, uh, is fruit good for you? And it kind of describes the history of how fruit was hybridized over 300 years. And the answer is, um, in the early days, uh, it may and usually does, large amounts of fruit will draw you back to the process crap, right? Uh-huh. And it's like, in the later on, and sometimes people need it for their methadone, and I say that in some other suboxone, they need to have some berries or some strawberries or blueberries or something, small amounts of fructose, literally for their withdrawals, instead of having methadone or suboxone as they come off of it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then in the other side, you know, people can maybe add it back in and see if it works. But in the early days, fructose, the body does not know the difference between a Coca-Cola and an orange juice, fresh squeeze, organic, I don't care. The, the, the fructose load that hits the liver is the same. And so that part is like really throws people. Dr. Faxby talks about 40 years ago, 30 years ago, some great marketing marketing agency. It used to be just the green grocer and they combined it together with fruits and veg, you know, so that now people think of them as the same healthy vegetables and fruit. When in reality, they keep literally every day hybridizing everything. You, I mean, you couldn't even eat a banana 200 years ago. Those apples were this big. They're the crab apples. You know, they're tiny little things. And now they're, they come in packages that are so frail, their skin falls off. But man, are they sweet and tasty, right? And they hybridize that stuff for the fructose. So, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's people, that one... <laughs> Look, when I tell people they can't eat sugar and flour, or maybe they should get off the caffeine if they need help, they, they're, they're already recoiling. So I can't tell them until they get inside the program to tell them about the fruit. I got to hold off on that one because it scares too many people away. <laughs> oh, exactly. I, I can totally understand that. Um, I mean, I have friends who go on and off sugar so many times. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and then I'll be with them and they'll be eating like a whole cake. And I'm like, oh, I guess we're back on the sugar, you know? Right. I mean, I can see that it's, you know, it's hard and it is an addiction. But like, say for example, if there is a drink like um, kombucha or like something that has very small amounts of sugar, does it still count as a sugar or is it a different kind of sugar? 
No, there's no real different kinds of sugar. So it's all sugar. It's all sugar, yeah. Especially, yeah, there's no difference really. And it's like wired together, fired together, like Pavlov's dogs. You know, it's like, so you have straight glucose, um, meaning, you know, you're not actually eating sugar, you're eating bread, right? Which turns to sugar in your stomach, but it's a glucose. Even if a lot of bread actually has fructose in it or sugar in it. Right. But if you say you really actually did get some, you know, stone ground, whatever. And, and, but then your body's thinking like, well, now I had four beers. I want whiskey. You know what I mean? It's like, you're kind of the, the, in the, especially in the early days, like you're, you're, you're associating it. And that's why we talk about caffeine because very rarely you're going to drink caffeine that doesn't, wasn't originally when you first started had sugar in it, either soda or coffee or chocolate. So, yeah, I mean, it's that early stage. Now, look, I'm not, (laughs) <laughs> in the early days, and I came up as probably as you did as an abstinence-based guy. Like it was one way, that was it. You draw a line, it was over with. But I've come to believe that there is a certain amount of people that once they get off of the stuff and get a healed up body and they understand what it does to them, maybe once in a while they can have a little bread or once in a while they can have a piece of chocolate. You know, I, I don't want to be like a Nazi, you know, like a, the fruit, the sugar Nazi guy. I mean, I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm already like the soup Nazi, you know. You can't, you can't even use that word anymore. You probably shouldn't use it. But what I'm saying is, you know, like there are different people. But for what, what we found is that if you keep going back and forth, you really do need to take that 30, 60, at least probably a 90-day break and then try to add one thing back and see how it treats you. Most people never go back, um, but you know that's been our experience. It's it's really a you know you got to pay attention to your body. I know that sounds people always say that you know listen to your body, <laughs> and, right. but you're not really listening if you you just keep inundating it with like fructose, like agave is the main health food sugar sweetener, or whatever, or barley malt. Agave is like 70% fructose, not 50, yeah, not like 50-50, like a table sugar molecule. Agave is really, that's what they make tequila out of. It's really high in fructose, right? And it just slams the liver. And, and what happens is it obviously it turns to fat because it cannot be processed anywhere else in the body. I mean, some of it burns off a little bit, but most of it has to be processed through the liver. So, yeah, it's right. hard. They're, they're all the same. And they find people, people that finally, and you've seen this in regular recovery, people that finally accept that they are, could possibly have a sugar addiction, they don't want to go back. You know, they've, they've, they've crossed a bridge. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I, and this brings up another question um, about like liver damage, because I had a lot of that when I, when I got sober. Um, and I was told by my, by my uh, doctor, who's an, an addiction specialist, that, you know, if I stayed sober, that my liver within 18 months would eventually heal itself. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, is, is what causes the damage from drinking, is it just the sugar and alcohol? Is that what, is that what gives you liver problems? You know, it's a great question. Uh, the disease that it causes is fatty liver, and I'm not 100% sure the answer to your question. I do know that it both cause fatty liver, which I think is scarring of the, of the uh, I mean, right. they just can't process it. And so the scarring, these aren't healthy tissues, so that it can't do its job as well. Right. So, yeah, I mean, this is funny that you mentioned this because 
a lot of the people that are that are my compatriots or my contemporaries or people that are in the sugar education business have a sugar detox or whatever most come from a health point of view right they're they're usually you know guys and gals that are exercisers and they never really had a sugar problem they could exercise their way out of it and then they try and teach it but when you're an addict when you're truly i call us the canaries in the coal mine in other words, we're sensitive to these things that we put in our body, whether it's heroin or, or alcohol or sugar. It just we're, There's a sensitivity there that we want more and we crave it, and it works very well on the dopamine system. And see, the dopamine system and, and serotonin, these things, these were developed for sex and food and things as we evolve. And when you can just reach for the stuff and not have to have any exertion, don't have to take a walk, don't have to do yoga, don't have to go to, you know, and still get the buzz, that's what people want. Because you're not looking for something sweet. You're looking for a dopamine hit. You're looking to, to feel a little bit better or to cover up a feeling of some kind, which we didn't really get into. But you know that in recovery, you start to process, have to process feelings uh, probably for the first time. And that happens with the sugar too. Right. It does. I mean, it does. It gives you, I heard somebody refer to it as a head change once. It's like anything for a head change. He said something about um, like he, you know, he was at a sober living and he ended up taking a bunch of Benadryl or something. I was like, ben, why, why would you do that? And then he, he, that's what he said. He said any kind of head change. And I remember when he said that thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm the same way. Anything gives me a head change and I'm going to want more of it or I'm going to want it again tomorrow. I'm not yep. going to want to feel uncomfortable and sit in my, you know, be in my skin and be inside my head if there's something that simple, you know, that quote unquote doesn't count as a relapse. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't have to yeah, go back sure. and be a newcomer at AA. But yeah, it's like, I know some people abstain from everything. And then there's some people who are like, how can I still get high without giving up my sobriety? And I fluctuate <laughs> between both. I'm like, I'm neither one or the other, depending on the day. Yeah, no, I, I believe me, I'm the same way, man. I, I get, you know, I get get obsessed with a whole jar of nut butter, and I actually think it's has a little fructose in it. You know, thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my it's funny. My mom had a question because my mom does eat a lot of sugar. Um, she keeps she got herself an elliptical trainer. She's mm -hmm. got it out in her art studio, and she keeps a bag of like peanut M and M's or. Mm -hmm. They're actually even mint. I've never seen them. They're because they're green and they're huge. They're like mint peanut chocolate M and M's, and she will literally Ooh. get off the elliptical and grab a handful and eat it as she's still exercising. On That's the a double buzz. I, I know. I'm like, and she was like, "Why do I do that?" I'm like, "I well, I know who I can ask. I have no idea." So I tell you a story. I had a guy. He lost a hundred pounds on keto. Like it, he. Uh, it was eight, right? And peanut M&M's was his thing, you know? And uh, he realized, I mean, we worked together. He just kept relapsing. He just kept, and he, he had about 60 more to lose, right? And so he, you can't exercise, A, you can't exercise your way out of this. You cannot outrun your biochemistry, right? So we kept trying to figure it out, and he would call, I relapse. You know, he had more. Anyway, it's like, you know, calling your sponsor, telling him you got drunk. But, right. but he would like, he said, he was in this relationship with this woman for like 12 years. Right. And finally through journaling and questioning and everything, we realized that every time he went out and grabbed these M&Ms, he had had some sort of dust up or whatever with this, with this woman. It was all an emotional kind of thing, right? He was using it truly as a, a way to not feel those feelings. 
And this is really common. I mean, even Louis Anderson's got it in his book. I mean, this is common in food recovery, this recovery any kind of recovery. And, and, the, and sugar recovery is no different. You know, if you have old trauma or old things that you're covering up, and then think about this now. Think about the Eric Clapton thing where Eric was a cognizant finally after years of recovery that he had been doing that when he was a child. And that all children now are growing up with this, this, you know, your mom's busy. She can't get down and give you a hug and say what's wrong. She gives you a cookie, sends you to the freaking TV. So we're growing up thinking worry, sugar, hurt, sugar, pain, sugar, scared, sugar, right? And it's almost free and you can get it anywhere. You know, you can beg and cry if you're a kid. And then as an adult, it's less than a buck. You can get whatever you need, you know? And so that's the, the, pattern interruption that's the societal break that we need for people to kind of understand and to give enough respect to the psychoactive power on the dopamine system that it can actually do that like drugs and alcohol can god yeah oh, it's, man. A, it's a tough one we're early in the game you know you're 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 very um you're a pioneer to even talk about this on your podcast to be honest well, I mean, you know, when, I, when I read about you, I thought it was great because I remember them trying to introduce that, that us to that way of thinking, you know, yeah. um, at that treatment center almost almost 20 years ago and how we didn't get, I don't think they gave us enough of the information. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. would have relapse prevention group, but they would never really sit us down and, and talk to us for an hour about what exactly sugar does. That mm -hmm. was just... That was just the woman who ran the center. That's all she'd say. She'd go, same as cocaine. That's why. We're <laughs> you know, like, but what? <laughs> Some folks are very advanced and it's amazing. They're very quiet out there. They're not, they're not talking. Yeah. I mean, I think what happens, especially for me, is like the more sober I get, the more I'm looking for other ways to be healthy. Like mm. the more I'm like, well, I don't feel good about this now. How can I fix this? You know, like, or it's yeah. like, you know, lately, um, I like, I've noticed like my spiritual program is completely off and I'm like looking for ways to, you know, just give myself some spiritual medicine in my life and looking at things I can do for that. And I think it's the same with sugar. Like you get to a point where you're like, I eat like crap. Maybe that's why I don't feel good. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. I eat Popeyes, I don't feel good the next day. It's just, it's true. It's like <laughs> a know? hangover, right? It's similar. It's so similar to a hangover, the nausea, just the bloat. Yeah, it's, and there's like a weird depression too. Oh, that depression thing, I, I learned, I, from, we do these summits, the Quit Sugar Summit, and I've interviewed 200 experts from all over the world on sugar. And one of them came up with a word called, or a term called situational sadness. And situational sadness is that depression, hang, it's like sugar hangover, right? Yeah. It's just, it's not, you're not depressed, you're just, you. You blasted so much dopamine through your system last night that now you got none left. You got to heal up a little bit, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I remember hearing that about alcohol too, about how um, a doctor explained that to me once because I was talking about like, I felt like I, the, one of the reasons I was drinking in the end was just so I could sleep, you know? And I was mm. like, I've got to drink. So I've got to make myself pass out because I can't sleep, you know? And then I would wake up at like four or five o'clock in the morning with massive anxiety and my heart beating. And then- that's when I would go drink more, not realizing it was the alcohol causing that. Because the doctor said that's the sugar leaving your body, and your body's freaking out now. People do the exact same thing with sugar. That's an exact pattern that people do. And they're not really going to sleep. They're falling. They're passing out. Right. And then they're waking up wide awake. Like a, it's like a, a heroin nod. You know, you nod for five hours. 
now you're waking up and you need more, you know? Yeah. And you're like, people wonder about night eating. That's actually a disorder that in the DSM-5, you know, the, the technical manual there, um, because so many people do it. Because right. you can't have caffeine at night, you won't get any sleep. Right. So people resort to just sugar products, and that knocks them out for a little bit. But it doesn't get you very restful sleep, you know. I would imagine, <laughs> you're, yeah. You're like just get more and more tired. Not at all, and I know. I think I think night eating is a thing, and I think now COVID eating will be a thing too. Because I know oh so many people God, eating. Right. You know, that, like oh baking God. became like the national pastime. Right. It's like literally, yeah, sure, they ran out of toilet paper and stuff, but they ran out of sugar and flour. Restaurants had to bag theirs up and sell it. Yeah. Crazy. You know, so because people went back to the comfort food from they had the financial anxiety and the work anxiety and the, you know, married people together for the first time in 20 years. (laughs) All day. (laughs) There's like an anxiety going on with them, poor people, you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I know. I'm like, yeah, the whole, I, I had to, after a couple of weeks, I was like, whoa, what am I doing? I had to ask myself, like, am I really hungry? Am I just super bored? You know? Yeah. The freshman 15 turned into the uh, COVID 15. You know? Exactly. Like, the COVID damn. 15. I know. We've got the COVID I had a care. huge flood of people. We did this uh, end of lockdown challenge in June. It's like, people are like, yes, I- I've been eating my face off for three months. Thanks so much to Mike for being on the show. That concludes episode two of my three-part series with him. Stick around for the next episode. And by that, I mean just stay right where you are because it's coming right up where we discuss tools for sugar addiction. See you then. If you want to be on the show or you know anyone who should be on the show, please contact us. The email is radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O productions.com. You can also call or text 415-496-9511, even when we're not in studio. And on all the socials, it's at Radio Rehab Dana, D-A-Y-N-A. Thank you for listening. Keep coming back.